Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Race for the Prize. You can go to raceforthprize.com to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. $30 for the month of February. Maybe that's not a good deal for you. Maybe you just want to buy a single weekend. 12 bucks. you get all of Las Vegas. We're going to talk Las Vegas Xfinity today in today's first and only Fantasy NASCAR infomercial. Basically, what we do here is I go through data. We talk pure racing. We talk data the spreadsheet, analyze it, and break it down. And the point is not necessarily to give you the best picks, although I believe we're going to help you build better lineups of DraftKings. The point is to refer you to the Daily Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet that I create. I believe it's the best content around. It's worth the money. And even if it doesn't guarantee you a life of cash prizes, it makes the process easier. It makes the process of making picks much more enjoyable. If you really want to dig in and build some fancy NASCAR lineups, then this is the thing for you. If you just want to follow picks, if you just want to follow touts, then this show and the spreadsheet's probably not for you. But again, when you do that, when you follow the touts and the picks, then you just play the same picks that they're playing. You don't take down GPPs. You've got to be able to differentiate and one of the ways to build your own different lineups is to follow the data. The data is at raceforthprice.com. We're looking at Las Vegas. We'll look at the last Las Vegas race. And what I want to do is maybe try to find a correlation between fast cars in practice and fast cars during the race. Try to provide the best context that we can. This was a very green race in stage three. There was a big pileup at one point. But for the most part, a big green flag race. And typically when we get green flag runs, the cream rises to the top, especially in the Xfinity series. May not always be the case in the truck series, but it's close when you get long green flag runs. And in the Cup series, for the most part, you get that. But absolutely, green flags mean the best cars get upward to the front and seal the deal. So let's see if we can find that correlation at Las Vegas. We also want to look at and see, well, who ran well last year at Las Vegas? Maybe also cross-reference the fall race with the spring race. And though they are separated by almost a year, but we could see, you know, what teams drove well, what drivers drove well in both races. And that data could be very beneficial to us when we build our spring 2024 Las Vegas lineups. If you don't remember... This race was run, won, and run by Riley Herbst. First career home win, or his first career win, and just as it happens to be, the home of terrible Herbst gas station supply chain, regional powerhouse. I don't know. I'm not from the Vegas area or the West Coast. I'm not familiar with terrible Herbst gas stations. I hate saying the word Herbst. Maybe if I was to start any kind of franchise, I might go the McDonald's route and change the freaking name so that people can say it. But hey, I guess in Las Vegas, nobody has a problem with, hey, I got to go get gas. I'm going to go down to Herbst and fill up a tank. I don't like it. Just Herbie's. Herbie's would be better. Hey, I'm going to Herbie's. Fill up a tank. Maybe grab a Zagnut, a Charleston Chew. Big old slurpy 20 ounce soda. Maybe I'll just play it safe. Get a Reese's cup. I don't say Reese's cup. I know it's Reese's, but you're with me. It's Reese's. I was a kid when that stuff became popular, and we said Reese's. 
We said Reese's Pieces, even though that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Get out of here. I'm going down to Herbie's. Imagine saying Herbs to get a Reese's. Well, anyway, Riley wins the race. Pretty solid in practice. Not great. This might confuse some people. But he was only 11th on the 10-lap average. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with that. That is one of the things that will be a concern. He did go out there and run 15 laps. Now, this could be skewed by one bad lap. But we always have to remember, you're going to want to look at the lap-by-lap data. I don't have the lap-by-lap data for that specific slate. I didn't play the slate. But sometimes you might notice that because his 15-lap average is really not that terrible. So maybe like on lap 7 or 8, he just ran into traffic or something happened. This is encouraging here. It's not definitive. It doesn't say, oh, you got to play Riley Herbst to win his first race ever. You can't completely bury him. You're going to, obviously, as I do this, I'm going to make a bunch of notes. I don't think there was anyone that was going to be able to predict how fast this car was. Everyone was surprised by this race. There wasn't necessarily a moment where the light bulb went off. And if you've been listening to the podcast, we have gone over several times. They had the crew chief change. He closed the season out incredibly strong. And what was it? And what his team says. Now, spotter Tim Fedewa says that when he competed in the Talladega season fall race in the Cup Series late in the year, he ran pretty well and had a chance to win it. And Fedewa says that Herbst came out of that race a different guy with much more confidence. And maybe that's what it was, that all of a sudden it just clicked. He had the confidence and he had the car all along. He just didn't trust himself. He didn't believe in himself. And then all of a sudden, you see very strong results and just this absolute butt-whooping at Las Vegas. Race grows green, and he wins by like 20, 15, 15, 15 laps to go. He has a 15-second lead on second place, John Hunter Nemechek. I think 20 seconds is what the lead extends to. It actually dials it back a little bit. Just absolutely obliterates the field. And if you look, we can look and see that he probably did have the car. You know, who was the second best out there? Oh, it was his teammate, Cole Custer. And then you go back into the spring race and you look and, hey, who else had a really good car in the spring race? Well, it was no other than Cole Custer had a, well, actually, he didn't have the greatest car. But he still finished the race in, actually, he didn't have the greatest car in the spring race. It's a little disappointing. So maybe it didn't work out. I have to look at the notes and see what happened with Custer. I thought he had a better race than he did. Well, either way, they both had very strong races in the fall. They had the car. Herbst all of a sudden had the confidence. And you look at Herbst in the spring race, he wasn't very far off in terms of how he ran. He started the race in 10th, and I believe he ran inside the top 10 for most of the race. 10th, finishes 8th. Average running position seventh, not too far away for early in the season. Um, hard, though, to say, like, oh, practice absolutely said he was going to run well. Uh, one thing that you could have taken away, and obviously just the way John Hunter Zimacek was running last year, he's great in practice, and it wasn't a surprise that he was able to drive up from dead last up into second. You really didn't need these lap times to make you want to play John Hunter Nemechek, although they were encouraging. But at the very least, it does identify that this car was very fast last season. Cole Custer had a very fast car in practice, and he goes on to run 13 fast lap points, score 16 lap sled points. Definitely a strong correlation there. 
you've got track position at the beginning of the race, you've got a fast car in practice, and that all works out to be a very fast day for him. Um, the track position absolutely helped. If Riley Herbst would have had a better track position, gosh, he might have absolutely just destroyed the, the scoreboard. Chandler Smith, not the best practice times, but still pretty feisty for colleague. And if you recall, in the spring race, he nearly won, just had his classic fade there at the end, and it really cost him. Not so much that he wasn't able to execute. You know, and sure, there was a little bit of that. And we've seen AJ let him kind of slide away at the intermediate tracks for colleague in the past, and we did see that happened with Chandler Smith last year in the spring race. He led the most laps, scored the most fast laps, but also just a little bit of maybe didn't quite have the car. And Austin Hill and Justin Allgaier got around him. There's a, that was a very good finish, a lot of battling. Smith maybe could have won that race. Didn't quite play his card right, but I still think that Austin Hill's RCR had just a little bit more speed at the end and Allgaier as well. I think Smith just needed a little bit more car. By the way, Cullig was fast there. Cullig again, fast in this race. Smith starts fourth, and he finishes fourth. Fast in practice, Sam Mayer, Brandon Jones. Top 10 cars in practice. Qualify a little worse than they should. Just put together decent races. Don't make mistakes. Green flag in stage three. I mean, theoretically, if we go all green in stage three and you had a top 10 car in practice and you start around 10th to start stage three, this is about where you'll be. All guy a slightly disappointing day, but you can see maybe there was something here. His car did not appear to have long run speed. And for him to survive that green flag run at the end of the race was something that may not have been there. In terms of long run speed, that's actually kind of positive. Um, I'm not going to completely bury him. He had a fast enough car, maybe not the best in the long run, but clearly no one had what SHR had on this day. Maybe it could have been a different story had John Hunter Nemechek not started dead last, but we can pull up the lap by lap data and just look at the last restart and see how far in a pack was Nemechek. I don't believe it was very far at all. So him starting 38th really wasn't a factor in this race it was an shr race pure and simple and i don't want to necessarily bury all for not quite getting a better finish or nemechek not for winning Coaster and riley herbst had rocket ships they were on another planet and so then you adjust and say all right well all almost as good as these guys and yeah and if you want to give all a hard time but again i don't really want to give all a hard time because you see we've got the colored car. We've got three junior motorsports cars right here. And Algar not being as good as Mayer or Jones. Well, I mean, I guess that could have been inferred in practice. You look at this long run speed that Algar just didn't quite have the right setup on that given day for Las Vegas. You'd have to look into the more details. And in the end, we're still just talking about one position, folks. He finished one position worse than Brandon Jones. Fast enough of a car on the five-lap run. I mean, it's pretty close. You look at their five-lap run. Sam Mayer finishes fifth. He had the fourth-fastest car. Brandon Jones finishes the race in sixth on the five-lap run eighth. 
Justin Allgaier finishes the race in seventh. He was sixth fastest on the fifth five-lap run. And all of these numbers are pretty solid. Nemechek doesn't line up, but you could put an asterisk and say that maybe just one of those four laps he messed up because then when he ran ninth, like, I could easily see Nemechek having four really good laps and then one bad lap, and that's suppressing his five-lap average. And then the next five laps are really good, so that his top 10 average is the fastest. End of the day, we still are talking about tenths of a second, right? Look, Cole Custer was the fastest on a five-lap run at 30.7. Nemechek was a 30.9. One to nine makes it look like they are much more spread apart. But they're not. It's just two tenths. Could be traffic. Could be a slight air adjustment. So then you expand to like, all right, let's add in some more data to see. And so you would be a little more concerned about Herbst. I'm not terribly concerned. Not terrible Herbst. I'm more. I'm not a Wawa. I've never been to Wawa. I've never been to Bucky's. Although people will tell me or Bucci's or whatever. I think it's Bucky's, and apparently it'll change your life if you go to Bucky's. And I know people out there. It's true. It's true. Don't hate on Bucky's. I've never heard anyone say anything negative about Bucky's. Never has happened. It's quite amazing. I don't know really where to place that in the, in my life. I don't know how to really put my thumb on that one. That there is a gas station on this earth that is almost like a cathedral, or at least it holds the sentiment of being a cathedral, a coliseum, if you will. This gas station is kind of the center of the universe it is somewhat amazing and that a that people are praising this gas station although i am a sheets guy and i like sheets but hey whatever where i live we don't have any sheets anymore so i kind of had to just let that go but bucky's is this life-changing experience this culturally significant point there once was a time where the tallest buildings in a town was always the church to represent community. Now they are giant skyscrapers, which then reflects the idea of our shift away from family and community to commerciality and production and free markets, which nothing wrong with free markets. But now the Mecca of America appears to be Bucky's. I don't know what that says about our society, but I'll just continue to sell fancy NASCAR spreadsheets. And uh, 30 bucks. I do not accept terrible Herbst gift cards. So, so far, I think the practice data kind of reflects where these drivers are finishing. At least look at these junior motorsports drivers. Austin Hill was not very fast, and Austin Hill had an okay day, but not a great day. So you would see this date and say, not really that excited about Austin Hill. This doesn't look like it's his day. And it wasn't really his day. He's okay. He was a non-factor in fantasy. Matt Snyder subbing in for JG or for Colleague in this race, which Colleague has had some pretty fast cars at Las Vegas, as we've seen with Chandler Smith. Daniel Hemrick's been halfway decent. Daniel Hemrick was pretty good in practice. Uh, that sounds like fool's gold to me. I've seen Daniel Hemrick enough. His one win in 270 races to know I'm not playing him. I'm sorry, folks. Ain't going to happen. You're laying down hot laps in practice. Doesn't matter. Daniel Hemrick. You know, that's times where I'm going to be highly subjective and trust my own lived experience and my knowledge and uh, use critical Hemrick theory 
and use the dialectic to fight the positive and see the power struggle through the lens of inequity and just simply cross off Daniel Hemrick. I'm not playing him. Myatt Snyder, let's see enough of Myatt Snyder to know that the kid just has connections in the racing world, uses those connections to get sponsorships, uses those connections to get rides, and then just never does anything. And the kid was over in the Euro Series for a reason. Just doesn't quite have the talent. Nice kid, nice family. And then again, he just didn't even have the car. Decent finish, though. He finished 10th. Not terrible. I mean, it's a college car. Give him credit. They finished 10th and 11th. That's not bad. They're right there. I mean, you look over here at the left side of the screen. We've got the big boys. Stuart Haas kills. You got Joe Gibbs, which, you know, last season, you know, in previous seasons, you would always have bunches of Joe Gibbs everywhere. But last year and recent years, the filler cars and the other young guns haven't quite lived up to expectations. Now, I believe that's really going to change this year. With Creed stepping in, with Chandler Smith stepping over, it's going to be very interesting to see where Gibbs goes. Where, and you know, you kind of got to go back almost a handful of years where we saw several competitive Gibbs cars. Over the recent years, it was just Nemechek. It was just Ty. It was just the guy that was taking a step down to fill a ride. You know, Harrison Burton's, Really weren't consistently getting things done. All right. I got to take a breakfast break to get some pancakes ready for the boy. And then I'll be right back. Welcome back. Blueberry pancakes, banana, milk. They are microwave pancakes, not scratch. I apologize. I never even thought to worry about that or that I would be judged by that until this very moment. Thinking of the people that are listening to this podcast and there's probably a couple of you scratch-only dads listening to this pod. Well, it's Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., getting ready for work. We go and microwave those blueberry pancakes, and there's not going to be any fuss about it. And if there is, I'll just smatter and slather on the butter and the syrup until the taste is bueno. It is pancake day. Actually, yesterday was pancake day. Fat Tuesday for you Germans out there. Got to clear the cabinets. Got to get rid of all the fats and butters for the fasting of Lent. Mardi Gras literally translates into Fat Tuesday. Mardi being Tuesday, Gras being fat. Did you know the carnival means literally farewell to meat? Carne ball. Farewell to meat. Hey, you learned something on this podcast. Is the practice day to matter? Going down through, looking for some names, familiar drivers. Lane Riggs wasn't with JGR in that race, wasn't he? I thought Lane Riggs was with Collig and Mike Snyder was with JGR. Let me double check that. Maybe I inputted the data wrong. Because I could have swore that in that Las Vegas race, it was the other way around. I apologize. It's going to take me a couple seconds to pull this up, but that's okay. As I do pull it up, I can always give you the quick reminder that you can get access to the fancy NASCAR spreadsheet by going to racefortheprize.com. 30 bucks for February, 12 bucks for a given weekend. Those rates change depending on how many races are during a given weekend or how many races are during a month. So we'll see what March looks like, but you still get the same sort of data. Um, yeah, I got those backwards. No, I didn't. 
Yeah, Riggs was with Colleague. Snyder was with JGR. That's what I thought. And I mean, I think that that's just more like Snyder, JGR, just disappointing with their sub drivers. Colleague, Scotty's boy, as I as we all know, Lane sounds like the eighties action movie star because you know that is Riggs was the name of Mel Gibson's character in Lethal Weapon. Give me your gun, Riggs. Put your badge on the table. This is the last time. I warn you. Come on, Chief. One last chance. We can get this guy. I know what they're doing. I know the cocaine is out there. You, I've heard it before, Riggs. Turn in your gun. Put the badge on the table. Damn it, Chief. You don't know what you're doing. That's Lane Riggs. Colleague having himself a good day. Connor Mosack. How about that? The young kid coming, coming forward. A little bit IndyCar experience gets into a Sam Hunt Toyota, which occasionally has some quasi TRD JGR development. Pretty solid in practice. Would have liked to have seen a better five lapper, but with the laps that he did run, actually, this data needs to be ignored right here. Let's hide this. Don't trust this data. I didn't project for this late specifically. But, you know, short run speed, how about it? Kyle Sieg, solid day, comes through. We've seen him have decent finishes here and there. 14th in practice, finishes 13th in the race. Look, Connor Mosak, 13th, finishes 12th. Raja Karuth, 15th in practice, finishes 14th. Pretty strong correlation. Parker Kligerman, Halfway decent day. Would like to have seen more, but the speed and practice seems to reflect what they did in the race. Uh, I don't know how Brendan Poole went out there and laid down that lap. Uh, this is one that might perplex some and disappoint some. Josh Berry starts on the pole. Didn't have short run speed, but you know, just couldn't nail the one lap, but it's really good five lap, good lap, 10 lap. But I talked about this in a previous podcast, and there's a good point to be made here about Josh Berry's performance. And that's what we'll close with. And we can look at the lap-by-lap data from Las Vegas to show what really hurt Josh Berry. He appeared to have a top-10 car, kind of faded a little bit at the very beginning of the race, faded back in traffic, didn't quite have the speed, but still, through the first two stages, was around a seventh-place car. Well, here's the thing that happens occasionally. It wasn't necessarily they had a bad restart right before a long green flag run, which will absolutely bury you, right? If we go completely green in stage three and you have a bad restart to begin the stage and get buried in traffic. Tough luck. You just had a terrible day. What really killed Barry is he had a bad pit stop. Went from seventh, drops down to 15th. Hey, you got a fast car. You'll be all right if we get some cautions. If it goes completely green, you're probably not going to dig your way out of it. And he is unable to dig his way out of it. And that's really what hurts Barry. Kligerman as well. May have had a top 10 car. Might be pushing it a little bit. Look, he lost all these spots on pit road. I don't know if he had a penalty, but he slowly worked his way out of that. And he is starting in a very similar position to Josh Berry. These guys had better cars than is reflected. They were better drivers than is reflected in the finishing position. But because this went green and their starting position at the beginning of the stage pretty much just sealed the deal. 
Sheldon Creed as well. Maybe he could have been better, but just where he was starting, it just didn't work out for him. Maybe he pushed a little bit more than he should have, and that really hurt his ultimate finishing position. And maybe that's why some of these other guys who may not necessarily have pushed as much, like Kyle Sieg or Connor Mosak, and were able just to be a little bit faster on the long run, even though they you know, didn't really pass those guys on the charts. But something that you really can't predict, it's just going to happen. You know, like, oh, well, his practice data said that he would be a top 10 car, and he wasn't. Yeah, but his practice data is not going to tell you if he had a bad pit stop on lap 93 and got buried in traffic before a long green flag run. Sorry, that's just not going to happen. It's not that definitive. And we'll go back to the main point that I've made before, that you really don't want the green flag data to be that confident or secure, otherwise the algorithms will take over the universe and, you know, fire up Skynet. All right, that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining me. Raceforthepries.com. That's where you can get access to fancy NASCAR spreadsheet. 30 bucks for the month of February, 12 bucks for any given weekend. Mark sheets will be announced sooner than later. Live shows on the horizon. I hope you join me and we hang out. Venmo, PayPal, Cash App. You can always directly send me money for tips and not have to worry about YouTube scraping money off or Rumble scraping a little bit off. My YouTube information, right, my PayPal information, Venmo information, all that is on there. Always appreciate the thank yous. Got to buy some more blueberry pancakes and butter. Natural butter. We don't do margarine in this house. No seed oils for me. Uh, but didn't you put just pure sugar syrup? Yeah, it's always great. No seed oils. But let's lather on the maple syrup. Well, but it's organic maple syrup. Doesn't have corn syrup in it. Oh, good for you. Great. You're passing on the corn syrup for the syrup syrup. All right. Great. Go punch a hole in a tree and suck out the syrup. Whatever you got to do to sleep at night. And I will try to sleep at night sometimes. Blessed to have you guys around. Love you guys. Trip to Light's fantastic.